0: And he politely walks away. <laughs> and my my favorite reaction on Twitter was All right, let's let, let's go to a live look. How is Nevada doing right now? And it's just uh, <laughs> The <laughs> Biden crime family stealing, stealing this the election. election. Somebody <laughs> is covering up. We want our freedom for the world. Give us our freedom, Joe Biden. Joe <laughs> Biden's covering up this election. He's stealing it.
1: Welcome to Consumer Choice Radio. We're broadcasting here on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM, every single Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. I am one half of your host, Yael Ososki, coming to you from Vienna, Austria. You can always go to our website, ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, where we've got all the latest shows and updates. If you are listening on the radio, be sure you are subscribed. If you've just uh, been given a clip in some kind of... Uh, strange location on a usb drive and you want to hear this show permanently go to our website you can find our rss feed and you can also find our podcast uh, in all the itunes stores and google and wherever else you might be listening so that's uh, kind of the beginning story and i'm not here alone i'm joined as always on the mic by my colleague david clement in toronto david how goes it
0: uh it's going well i mean it's master's weekend so anyone who enjoys Golf. Um, This is a big one. And it looks like we have a new president. So, um, oh, really? Exciting times. Yeah. Well, it depends on who you talk to, apparently. Okay. (laughs) I guess that's been certified
1: by the David Clement uh, Media Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, Yeah.
0: I have called, yes, I have called the election for Joe Biden. You have
1: called it. Okay. Yeah. There's plenty of this stuff. I think it's, uh, this is probably going to be a good topic enough. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that we discussed on last week's program with some of our colleagues from Consumer Choice Center, so you can uh, head on over to our website, consumerchoiceradio.com, and see that. Uh, We've got that YouTube version up on our page, too. I think we gave kind of a good breakdown of some of the awesome consumer choice topics. But yeah, definitely true, David. This is uh, what's on everyone's mind, is figuring out what's going to happen with the uh, remaining recounts, uh, Joe Biden has by the major media companies and by many others been projected to be the president. And uh, now it seems it's up to the courts and recounts and um, political factions all over social media. Isn't that fun?
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing for me is that there is no scenario where there is no scenario where you, cl- you, you close a 20,000 vote gap on a recount so the whole thing just seems like it's a bit of political theater to me where unless there really is like some instance of wide-scale fraud which there is no evidence of um yet you can't you can't come back there's no there's no path to actually flipping these states in in a recount i mean uh, Scott Walker the former governor of uh of Wisconsin highlighted this on Twitter when he said well when Hillary wanted a recount in Wisconsin they did the recount and Trump got actually, I think you, the difference was 10,000 or 20,000 votes and uh, by the end of the recount Trump was up 157 votes so that was like the, the error in in the count and it went in favor of of trump that time so well you you know you know how i respond to that david right yeah let's hear it the media said what (laughs) the media said joe biden's president
1: (laughs) this goes on for about a minute by the way
0: I uh, know, I've seen that clip. That guy just seems like a lunatic.
1: Uh, he's actually the preacher who got busted because he had, like, you know, uh, three private jets or something like this. Uh, Kenneth Copeland is his name. Yeah, yes. look, um, so for the recounts and stuff, it's interesting. One, one uh, link that I posted on social media was of my reporting in Florida back in 2012 where there were a lot of, like, big shenanigans, and a lot of it mm-hmm. was actually pre- Election Day, Um, I think if a lot of people are alleging that there's voter fraud, meaning, you know, the poll workers are changing ballots or names, that's going to be really hard to find evidence of if it even exists. But a lot of it is done before. It's with registrations, it's with absentee, military overseas ballots. Uh, Another clip I showed from uh, Jake Tapper's book on uh, dirty, what is it, I don't know, down and dirty, stealing the presidency in the year two thousand. You know, he mentioned Florida, and it was a lot about the overseas ballots uh, from military voters and this kind of stuff. But it's this kind of crazy thing where I would actually give a little bit of benefit of the doubt to some people who might be very cautious. So a lot of Republican senators are cautious to, you know, immediately say, "Okay, Biden's president. That's it. It's all well and done Uh, because we still don't know with a lot of these. I mean, it's really close. Like, let's just admit it. It's really close in a lot of these areas, and it might not make yeah. up the recount gap or whatever, but, man, there's a lot of bumbling idiots, idiots all over the place that have been all over this stuff.
0: Yeah, so it is It is a extremely close election, but it is not close enough where the result is in question. That's how I would put it. Um, and I'm actually quite irritated by several prominent republicans who won't just like get on with it and like some have i mean like mitt romney has and there's a handful of others who have but the real kind of trump loyalists are digging in their heels and doing the media circuit of alleging that there's voter fraud and that votes mysteriously arrived and all of that stuff which is just exhausting um and just fuels the like the whole in the lead up to the election one of the narratives was like Trump's not going to leave Trump's not going to leave and most of the adults in the room were like guys come on if Trump loses he's going to leave you can hate him as a president but he's not that crazy and now it's like oh it's only proving that silly theory right in terms of how he's behaving and how others are behaving kind of in support of him. So, yeah, super depressing. Um, But I think, as Joe Biden said, um, his resistance is of no consequence. And um, it
1: doesn't help that so many of the results, you know, have come so late. Um, So North Carolina had to wait until November 12th uh, for a lot of these electoral ballots from abroad or wherever to come in. Uh, which, again, is just crazy because I guess it's all the votes from North Carolinians living in Alaska or something <laughs> at that point because uh, most people, if, if you're actually voting abroad, uh, most of the time you were required to get it in in October. Uh, that was actually the requirement for a lot of the overseas votes, at least specifically for North Carolina, uh, somewhere a bit strange. So, yeah, it hasn't been good. Optics have not been great. Uh, I think there's a lot of... Um, a lot of ink that's being spilled and a lot of people talking, but you know, the election was not more than a week ago. So I'm hearing very, just very terrible comparisons from a lot of people, uh, you know, to authoritarian regimes and things like this. I think that's, I think that's, that's just, yeah, it's unfortunate. Cause again, nothing has been officially declared the electoral college still has to gather in December. And then mm-hmm. it's pretty clear and everybody's already probably sending out their resumes no doubt. But, um, you know, if we want to play on good old Uncle Joe, uh, supposed president-elect, let's, uh, let's play one clip from the debate uh, that he had that I just wanted to, to further contextualize.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know where this is going. Vice President Biden, final question for you. Will
1: you urge your supporters to stay calm while the vote is counted? And will you pledge not to declare victory until the election is independently certified?
0: Yes. And here's the deal. They count the ballots, as you pointed out. Some of these ballots in some states can't even be opened until Election Day. And if there's thousands of ballots, it's going to take time to do it. And by the way, our military, they've been voting by ballots for since at the end of the Civil War, in effect. And that's, and that's what's happen, going to happen. Why was it not — why is it for them somehow not fraudulent? It's the same process. It's honest. No one has established at all that there is fraud related to mail-in ballots.
1: And that's about, you know, the mail-in ballots and and everything. But, you know, I I don't think I've gone on any denial of the thing. It's obvious from the projections um, that, you know, he is to take the state of Pennsylvania, which is essentially, it comes down to Pennsylvania, right?
0: Well— If he takes Pennsylvania, it's over. If he keeps Georgia, it's over.
1: Yeah. So keeps Nevada
0: and Arizona, it's over. So it's like, and I mean, so here's the question because I've I've seen that clip Mm -hmm. be spun around Twitter quite frequently, and people are using it to kind of invoke, "Well, Biden's declaring victory early, and he said he wouldn't do that." What does independently certified mean? That does to me. That doesn't mean. 100% 100% of the vote count. I mean, the votes are never 100% counted on election night in a normal election. This is a normal, like the delay is normal for military ballots and all of that jazz. It just so happens that it's been amplified because of the pandemic and we're, um, we had an influx of, of those. Votes that were mailed, so I mean, I don't, I don't view that as like, oh, Joe Biden's a huge hypocrite because I mean, he he's a hypocrite on other things, but <laughs> I don't view that as as a as like a gotcha moment necessarily.
1: What I what I thought was interesting, and I followed uh, a lot of the foreign press, uh, you know, in Austria and Britain elsewhere, and this is strange. I don't remember, maybe I'm misremembering, or it's Mandela effect, but a lot of the the way that it was, it was like, oh, Joe Biden. Uh, elected president project U.S. media, which I I found seemed kind of weird as a, a way to frame it. Um, You know, you can say, oh, by mathematical probability or, you know, whatever, but it's like yeah, nobody's going to get their authority from the U.S. media. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was yeah. that is a bit weird, and it, it's going to embolden a lot of, of Trumpers in that case. And I think much to your point, I think most people who aren't in the political game and have some political, you know, score have kind of accepted that. You know, they've said, "Okay, this is it. Uh, There's a lot of focus on Fox News and how they've projected and and all of this. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you can't just, you know, turn on, turn in on the institutions. You have to make your projection because you you don't want to be wrong and you don't want to make huge errors, and you just don't want to be a laughing stock. and as much as Fox might like Trump or some of the personalities might like Trump, you know, they still have to appeal to a white audience, and they have to remain some kind of, they have to keep some kind of credibility.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, the people who, well, since when does the media call elections? And it's like, guys, Alaska was just recently called because it took them... God knows how long to count their votes. And the Associated Press tweeted, or the Associated Press called it for Trump and called it for the Republican Senator. And both the president, and I, th- I believe it was Ivanka Trump, were like, oh, AP calls Alaska for President Trump and, sure. um, and the candidate for the Senate, uh, like congratulations to whoever that is, I forget his name. I mean, it's like, well, I guess the media does call elections then.
1: Yeah, and and the the media calling part, because, you know, that was always very difficult for me to understand back when I was covering elections and stuff in Florida, is that the reason that it's the media calling it is because essentially they have their own teams of whatever election experts or Steve Kornacki on MSNBC, and they just say, okay, well, this state, they have officially declared that Biden— won this many votes, and they just add them together, and they have the formula. So if people would say, okay, well, that's not correct, then they're just saying that the formula is wrong, but in this case, uh, a lot of the Trump team, and apparently the legal team, uh, which is fun, a lot of fun lawyers on that team, Rudy <laughs> yeah. Giuliani, Woo. Four Seasons uh, Landscaping, <laughs> um, and they are they are saying, okay, well, uh, places in, in, like, Georgia and Nevada, you know, these counts were legit, there's a lot of illegal votes and things, and It seems as if I'm not a lawyer, uh, and I think lawyers likely should be barred from running for office. That's another point. But I'm not a lawyer, but most of these arguments that they're putting forward seem really, really specious, and just not—they don't have any weight.
0: Well, and some of it just has nothing to do Oh, yeah, they wouldn't
1: let our people look at people, uh, you know, counting the votes. It's like, bro— They kept
0: us at 10 feet rather than 6 feet, and it's like, okay, that can be true, and you can win— And that has no bearing it's not like like, this is not like a criminal case where like one instance of irregularity means the case gets thrown out and they're like "Well, pennsylvania's up for grabs again no it doesn't matter whether they kept your scrutineers at 10 feet when it was supposed to be six feet or maybe some of them got kicked out which is something that we saw regardless that has that, that could be wrong and and maybe some people deserve to be reprimanded for uh for not following the rules Uh, but that doesn't that has no impact on the vote you it's a huge leap to go oh they kept us at 10 feet rather than six feet therefore we still think we got forty thousand mysterious votes that are gonna Cover this gap so we can win Pennsylvania again. It's like
1: yeah, and the only no, way that
0: that's not there.
1: And another argument that's made is you know oh when we were watching the vote totals you know this many came in and over all of a sudden there were this many votes. It's like look nobody has and I might be wrong but I don't think we've had as many people watching individual votes being turned in from the states like we do today. Right? Like how many databases and graphics and presentations and everybody's watching, okay, they just now they're at sixty two percent and five thousand votes came. I don't think we've had this level of scrutiny ever. And the the cold hard truth of it is it's always been like this for years. It's just normally you see that total towards the end. And mm. it doesn't really matter if you had forty thousand votes for Biden and only five for Trump or whatever. That's just how the votes came in. But again, yeah. of course, because we live in the social media uh simulation. <laughs> Some would say, well, we don't know what's coming in with that. Yeah. I don't know. There's, who knows, maybe in two weeks, this will all seem very silly. Um, but again, if Electoral College doesn't meet until December to have, you know, the final stuff, yeah, that's going to be kind of crazy. And uh, as you mentioned before, President-elect Biden, he's already putting together his uh, his kind of cabinet in waiting or shadow cabinet, as it were, and already yep. getting a lot of people who are going to be on his staff. And all of the rest and then there are a lot of questions about you know the transition and money and payments and who's this and that and i think that's i guess the next well, thing debated until thanksgiving
0: yeah and the transition becomes more prominent than ever before because of what happened with mike flynn so and i've kind of poked this around with some other people i, like, to... I like
1: where you're going
0: to see, just to make sure that like I'm not the crazy person in the room here, but for anyone who followed the Mike Flynn fiasco, basically he was on vacation and Obama, this is in the, the what is called the lame duck period, where in between the election and when the new president is sworn in, Obama had enacted some pretty serious sanctions against the Russians. He spoke with the Russian ambassador and said, like don't don't retaliate, don't respond because he's the national security advisor and or was uh, was going yeah, to incoming. be incoming, yeah, yeah, and and that apparently is against the rules because you can't have private citizens engaging in foreign policy on behalf of the United States. That's fine, um, and then he was asked about it by the FBI later and lied, and that's really where the criminal case was made against him. Why that's relevant is. Who knows what Trump is going to do between now and the day in which Biden is sworn in. If he if, if if he is going to pull troops, let's say from Afghanistan, completely withdraw, I would fully expect that whomever is on Biden's national security team, or even he himself, would be on the phone with other allies to talk about what things are going to look like when um when he actually takes office but now we have this precedent this very like hard precedent where if any of that is done and i guarantee you the republicans are going to be looking for it if any of that is done and somebody gets caught well then you're just we're, we're going through this cycle again of of criminal proceedings and nonsense and it's it just looks very ugly and silly and so i think that um, I think that the the Flynn situation has set a really terrible precedent, and of course it's going to be used against the Democrats, and I'm sure there are going to be lots of opportunities where Trump's going to do something crazy or silly, and the incoming Biden administration is going to have to try and navigate the realities of that situation. So I'll play so, the reactionary here for uh, a second,
1: and this totally is yeah. the fault of the Democrats, because the way that they criminalized politics, essentially, and, you know, we we talked about a little bit about Ukraine, um, you know, early on in our program, and whatever your opinion on that, however it was seen, uh, you know, we've gotten to this thing where it's a lot about how people judge your policy, and if they view your policy as legitimate, and because we've had this kind of outrage for the past, you know, almost 4 years now. You know, it's swung so many different ways and it's the pendulum that's going to swing back on the Democrats and you're right. A lot of the kind of Republican camps and I hate that we're talking like this because it really is institutions. And as much as, you know, we'll say oh a Biden administration will come in and change stuff, I mean, you can really argue that Trump coming in with his foreign policy, how much of it was really carried out by the US government you know his very skeptical of military intervention abroad how much of it was really able to make its way through the machinery of the pentagon and to be enacted out
0: there well i'm actually it's funny you ask that. i'm reading a book right now about trump and his generals so mcmaster and that's all McMaster's of the people book, who... i think right no no this is uh, peter okay. bergen or... yeah and basically it's like an inside look at the room. And in almost every instant you had um, you had like the, the traditional conservative voice versus the Bannon style voice. And I think what we learned is that Trump is actually quite malleable when it comes to some of these issues. And he, he, was or could be convinced not to do um, certain things, like actually take troops out of the Middle East. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, it's a good question. How much of that did that was? How much of that was actually implemented? I mean, I think critics of Trump would say not very much. His supporters would maybe overemphasize his his anti-war instincts, which I mean, you and I both appreciate that. I think we certainly fall in the anti-war crowd. Um, But then the question is, yeah, and I think throughout
1: the uh, Russia, you know, scandals or impeachment or anything else, it was not brought up very often that actually the sanctions on Russia have only gotten tougher. Uh, There's actually been more crackdowns. So it's like you have to look at, okay, the behavior of the guy up top or the actual policy being carried out. And I think for those who did vote Trump, who understand and don't appreciate the way that he acts or whatever that's probably for them was a solid case is look look i don't like how trump acts i don't like his behavior but you have to look at the policies and for me i got lower taxes we weren't invading the world la 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 there's a bunch of stuff there um and actually i wanted to play one clip and get your reaction as well now this relates to a topic we've kind of mentioned and it's the state of comedy in the era of trump and just and how bad it's gotten
0: uh, well yeah comedians are, comedians are gonna have to go yeah, back and, and to writing. Good they're jokes. they're
1: not succeeding uh <laughs> here's case in point someone who growing up to me was actually a huge influence and i love and i would listen to all the time stephen colbert so uh what is his reaction when it comes to the election and uh donald trump still counting on the lawsuits to try to overturn something here's stephen colbert on his program keep in mind uh one of the late night hosts one of the big comedians of the day So we all knew he would do this.
0: What I didn't know is that he would hurt so much. I didn't expect this to break my heart. For him to cast a dark shadow on our most sacred right, from the briefing room in the White House, our house, not his, that is devastating. This this is heartbreaking for the same reason that I didn't want him to get COVID. Certainly why I want him to survive, because he is the president of the United States. That office means something, and that office should have some shred of decency.
1: Cue the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is also—how yeah. dare they—sorry, I have to do this, but this is my reactionary moment. How dare they cast doubt on our electoral system when we actually half the popular—at some point they did some poll— and i think it was like 65% of democrats thought that russians had hacked the voting machine in 2016 i mean the fact that we've went through all these years of people casting doubt and the shadow of the russians and all these people winning pulitzers based on this stuff to come back and say how dare they question the votes and how the system works it's just rich it's the pendulum
0: what well, how many how many otherwise reasonable people today will say something about the Russia dossier. This happens all the time when I talk to people and I have to be like, you know that that's not real. Like the Mueller report basically concluded that it was not corroborated in any way, shape or form. Like it is not real. And yes, it would be, parts of it would be hilarious if it were real, but it's not real. And people be like, yeah. Now what? we
1: imagine. Now we imagine a day where yeah, like... Twitter and Facebook would have blocked sharing the any media story related to this, and you know, uh, what block New York Times account or I guess it was BuzzFeed who first put it out. You know, block their account. So it's it's yeah. look at strange. There's a lot of power battles, and what a surprise. There's a lot of hypocrites out there, um, but. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, and, and 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 back on the perception, I think we should roll into into uh, one of the other cl- one of the clips that I brought in is the uh, the gentleman in Nevada, the uh, beer barbecue and freedom dude. Um, so the backstory on this one for listeners is uh, one of the election officials in Nevada is attempting to give a press conference uh, and speak to the media, and uh, this gentleman. Um, promptly interrupts. The Biden crime family steal the election. The media is covering up. The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering up. The Biden crime family steal this election. The media is covering up. We want our freedom for the world. Give us our freedom, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is covering up this election.
2: He's stealing it.
1: And then he politely walks away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and my my favorite reaction on Twitter was. <laughs> All right, let's let, let's go to a live look. How is Nevada doing right now? And it's just this guy, the Biden crime family stealing the election. So I mean it, it this is bad. Like there are a lot of people who actually wholeheartedly believe that this that the that the rig is in. It's done. That like the system was was slanted against them and they lost because somebody Essentially cheated,
1: and, and yeah, um, and and um, Trump did game. Fam those flames, and he, you know, he planted that idea very early on that it would come down to absentee ballots or mail-in voting, which it very much, very much has, you know. So he he was right on that, but it's pretty much well known for a long time that most of the people who mail in usually tend to be Democrat. Obviously, Trump did play up and say, "Hey, don't do this whole mail-in voting; go in person." Yeah, I don't know how much we need to litigate, but uh, you did have one other clip that I thought was interesting uh, about the State Department and its transition. You want to set that one yeah. up
0: too? Yeah, so this... and and, Not to sound too much like Stephen Colbert. No. <laughs> but to have the, the... So we'll play the clip. This is the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, being asked about the transition to the Biden administration. So we'll get Jamie to play the clip and then I'll give my take. Uh, Is the State Department currently preparing to engage with the Biden transition team? And if not, at what point does a delay hamper a smooth transition or pose a risk to national security?
2: There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. (laughs) Uh Hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, Be
0: like, be the adult in the room, and just like the the only answer you need to give there is yes. That's it.
1: But would Um, that not in a in a way therefore be the first public admittance from the administration that there is a concession?
0: Or he could even just say, once all the votes are counted, if it's once the votes are verified and we've lost, then yes, we will work with. Well, the like, well, that's that's the thing that irritates me is that. He's the
2: Secretary of State. Well, David, let's
1: let's is, uh, to be fair. Let's play the rest of the comments.
2: Okay, there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. <laughs> all right, we're, we're ready. The the world is watching what's taking place here. We're going to count all the votes. When the process is complete, there'll be electors selected. There's a process. The Constitution lays it out pretty clearly. The world should have every confidence that the transition necessary to make sure that the State Department is functional today successful today and successful with the president who's in office on January 20th a minute afternoon will also be successful.
0: So you believe there's widespread voter fraud that the reports that we're getting from Pennsylvania, from Michigan showing vote totals and massive leads or significant leads with 99% reporting are going to be overturned and that the United States failed to
2: conduct a fraudulent free election? Rich, I'm the Secretary of State. I'm getting calls from all across the world. These people are watching our election. They understand that we have a legal process. They understand that this takes time, right? Took us 37 plus days in an election back in 2000, conducted a successful transition then. I'm very confident that we will count and we must count every legal vote. We must make sure that any vote that wasn't lawful ought not be counted. That dilutes your vote. If it's done improperly, got to get that right. When we get it right, we'll get it right. Where? Mm.
0: Yeah, so there is an appropriate answer and when he so it's unbecoming of the secretary of state to open that up with the smirk and we're going to have a smooth transition to a second trump administration just like i think if it, it, it there's a bit of a devaluing of the office or the position in a sense when he's being so cavalier about i, I mean his his the second part of that answer implies that he was kind of being cheeky and funny or trying to be maybe in the first part of his answer. And also admit, like,
1: nobody played that second part.
0: (laughs) At least I I didn't see it. No, of course not. No, of course not. Um, But at the same time, it's like, why why go there? Why make this worse? Like, why continue to fan the flames of there's a shot, there's a chance, there's fraud, we're going to win um like it's just i don't know i'm i'm seeing reports for that there are not enough people in the trump administration who are having that conversation where it's like all right guys like this dog and pony show is over (laughs) let's let's move on
1: yeah and um this kind of stuff is is going to continue on again we're only a week after the election um so you know if one of these if North Carolina, once it is finally called, which is this week, happens, then maybe that changes tunes. Uh, Pennsylvania, same. Uh, I did have one extra clip from Pompeo. It was in the same press conference there at the State Department related to something you mentioned earlier, the Logan Act. And uh, even Glenn uh, Glenn Greenwald, you know, he uh, is now independent. He's left his um, The Intercept uh, media outlet. He's now on Substack writing his own newsletter. And uh, he had an article on that when, uh, I think, Rob Long, who's like an Obama guy, uh, and now in the transition, saying that Biden is already taking calls from foreign leaders, he's assuring them everything is going to be all hunky-dory come January, and Pompeo has kind of asked about that in the State Department briefing room.
0: So back to my first question, is it improper? So- Actually, sorry, that's
2: on Fox News, Brett Bear, never mind.
0: Back to my first question, is it improper for these foreign leaders to be reaching
2: out to Joe Biden? YOU KNOW, JUST SAYING HI, I SUPPOSE THAT'S NOT TOO TERRIBLY DIFFICULT. (laughs) BUT MAKE NO MISTAKE ABOUT IT, WE HAVE ONE PRESIDENT, ONE SECRETARY OF STATE, uh, ONE NATIONAL SECURITY TEAM AT A TIME. IT'S APPROPRIATE THAT IT BE THAT WAY. Brad, I WILL SAY THIS, ONE OF THE THINGS THAT I HAVE OBSERVED NOW ALMOST FOUR YEARS INTO MY TIME IN THIS ADMINISTRATION IS THE PREVIOUS FOLKS JUST REFUSED TO GET OFF THE STAGE. So they they talk about healing and uh, all all these transitional things. Frankly, I've watched uh, Ben Rhodes, Susan Rice, and John Kerry and Wendy Sherman be active on the world stage in ways that weren't consistent with what the Trump administration is doing. I regret that. It wasn't in America's best interest that they chose to behave that way.
0: FOR ALL THE FOCUS BACK AT THE BEGINNING OF THE TRUMP ADMINISTRATION ON INCOMING NATIONAL SECURITY ADVISER MICHAEL FLYNN Mm -hmm. AND HIS PHONE CALLS AND THE TALK ABOUT THE LOGAN ACT, ARE YOU WORRIED THAT THAT IS HAPPENING NOW?
2: I'm always worried when people are engaging in activity, speaking with foreign leaders in a way that represents things, that might be representing things that aren't true or might be attempting to influence American foreign policy in ways that are inconsistent with what the law requires. Uh, you know the Logan Act. I, I know the Logan Act. I hope that all those folks who are out there having these conversations aren't violating that law. I'm sure the Department of Justice will be keeping a good eye on that for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are those those are pretty much my my concerns with the precedent that the Flynn scenario set, which was we're going to everybody's on watch. I mean, everybody's on watch. You better be on your best behavior, and we're really going to throw the book at you um, if you if there is a misstep. Now, you can argue that you could. I think you could make a very convincing argument that that type of rule is silly, that Biden should be able to have conversations with foreign leaders about what foreign policy will look like under um, under a Biden administration. You could actually quite easily convince me that that's totally normal and appropriate, but you can't have that conversation anymore because the precedent has been set that you, you do not do this, you cannot do this. If you do... You may be questioned by the FBI. If you lie, you're going to be arrested. You're going to jail. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. And yeah, Yeah. I I don't want to belabor this too much. I I would hope that this conversation doesn't, you know, roll past next week uh, because, you know, there's still a lot of issues and problems and Trump is still president until January whatever 20th at uh, 1159. So there's uh, a lot of stuff to deal with. And man, I don't know we're living in a strange twilight. Uh I, this year has des- definitely been crazy, David. We haven't done a year roundup uh show. Seems like every day is a version of that, but the yeah, amount of stuff that yeah. we've seen from from kind of A to Z starting <laughs> starting in Davos and uh then all the corona stuff happening and now like election being tossed up, not knowing what's happening, lawsuits, recounts. Yeah. Man, there's uh, some power grabs. I don't know.
0: Well what'll be what'll be nice is hopefully we can go back to commenting on policy rather than commenting on politics.
1: Yeah, and personality. Um,
0: Yeah, and personality. Um and on that on that kind of policy note, um, I think we briefly touched on this in our debrief call uh or debrief episode with our colleagues, but it's important we should probably play the clip here of the the democrats essentially doing damage control and so this is leaked audio of the democrats um essentially doing a recap of what happened um in congress because they they did kind of take a bit of a beating in those congressional races um and so we'll get jamie to play uh, to play that clip <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> and we need to not ever use the word socialist or socialism ever again. Because while people think it doesn't matter, it does matter. And
0: we lost good members because of that. And we need to watch every single attack ad. And if we are classifying Tuesday as a success from a congressional standpoint, we need to look at torn apart in 2022. And
2: um, excuse the profanity. That's the reality. <laughs>
1: Excuse the profanity. Beep. Yeah, that's that's Frank, and I think she's totally right.
0: Yeah, I mean she's basically saying enough with the crazy um like an and enough with the, the the radical side of this. Let's calm things down a little bit. And if we don't, we're gonna get smoked next time around. I think it's a, it's uh, also a
1: problem of the crazy nationalization of all of the political offices and politics. You know, the the amount that whatever happens on top, it's always going to influence every four years when it's the presidential election, no doubt. But the fact that it did this much, and, you know, I I would find it very hard for Democrats uh, kind of, you know, using her her language there, not her colorful language, to really declare victory because it just... It wasn't a clear victory. It wasn't outright rejection. I mean, the fact that there are recounts, uh, and the recount in Georgia, by the way, is not just because of some lawsuit. That's actually per Georgia law because it's so close.
0: Yeah, it's so close. Yeah. So
1: it's you know, this is not a widespread you know number one endorsement of a huge sea change towards uh, the blue team, and I think she's definitely definitely right. And my I, I remember texting with you about this. Not my prediction, but my hope would be. It'd be really interesting to see the different factions actually start to materialize and coalesce and solidify in a way that you would have yeah. kind of like the blue dog Democrats used to be that you would just have like the social or the justice Dems and they have like their own official caucus. And at some point there's gotta be some rupture in this, you know, temporary marriage.
0: Yeah. because I mean, we've already seen it where, so the comments by the Congresswoman in that clip are, are direct shot at like the AOCs of the party, basically saying, get out of here with this nonsense. And AOC responds basically saying, well, it's not my fault. Like I offered to help, I offered to help a long list of candidates in their districts and only five candidates took me up on my offer and all five of those candidates won. And it's like, yeah, because you're toxic. And <laughs> you're, and you're, where they called you in, it was like helpful because they were safe. in
1: the super liberal part of, I don't know, LA or, you know, whatever yeah. big city.
0: Where where that plays. And I mean even AOC herself underperformed Joe Biden by about ten points. Um and so I think that shows you that there is an appetite for a more centrist moderate democratic party and that's going to drive a huge wedge in this what now looks like a temporary coalition yeah um that was that was used to basically defeat trump and now they go back to fighting each other and then the same thing could happen on the republican side I, i think essentially you really have four parties you have your traditional democrats your joe biden democrats that's one You have your hard progressives or democratic socialists like AOC, you have your traditional Republicans like your Mitt Romneys, Uh, and then you have your kind of hyper-nationalists, which is your Trump crowd. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Do the Republicans start fighting each other in what's next? And do the Democrats start fighting each other in what's next? Um, I would would say it'd be
1: more Democrats, mostly because they're going to have the presidency, if all is uh, confirmed in December. And that means that, okay, there's a focus, we got power, now what do we want to do? And that's really when the people come to play, right? Because when people are in opposition, they'll say anything. I mean, the amount of bombastic comments that we've heard in the House and the Senate the last couple of years, it's actually if any normal person tuned in on C-SPAN, I mean, they would actually have their mouth gape because it'd be just too crazy what they've been hearing. And maybe yeah. we'll hear the same from uh, the Republican side, but of course, every party is better in opposition.
0: True. Yeah, very true. So very that's true.
1: that's going to be tough. But with the coalitions, it's it's, it's interesting because even within those, you know, there are not a lot. There's the, the kind of Rand Paul faction of the Republicans, very anti-interventionism, you know who mm-hmm. was saying, okay, guys, well, you know that's why you got to vote for Trump because he's he's committed to this and he's told me, you know, he will re- withdraw from Afghanistan and all the rest. And yeah, I don't know at the end of the day because you know these factions are not they're not solidified. You know they're not official. They're they're mostly maybe some think tanks that you coalesce, maybe some you know media institutions and such. Uh, but you don't really have you know European style coalitions. That are made up of general leftist groups that are like the Workers' Party and, you know, whatever, the Social Democratic Party and whatever. I, th- I actually think it'd be very interesting to go to that type of system, but that really is going to necessitate an entire change. Uh, I think most people are tired of the red team versus blue team, A versus B Because we're not all that way. Everybody has diverse thoughts. I mean, find me one person who agrees with everything that's on the Democratic platform or Republican platform. It's like impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nobody is excited.
1: And you only make (laughs) that judgment on that party based on a couple of issues that might be important to you. For some people, it's, I don't know, abortion Mm -hmm. or guns or whatever. Unfortunately, sometimes you can actually know how someone will vote based on like two or three issues. (laughs) It's like insane
0: yeah yeah it 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 is insane and on the note of insanity there are some people who are doing some things that are absolutely wild when it comes to how do we reconcile with trump voters
1: oh let's hear this david and you,
0: you and i have poked around this a little bit like there are people wanting to create a database of everyone who has donated to republicans to map them out like this is some fascist ideas this is bananas that that serious people are 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 wanting to do stuff like this and it's not just like oh a handful of crazy people on twitter and like let's say far far left loony bins are are trying to rally up all the information they can on their political opposition it's happening at a much bigger level i mean the 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 lincoln project which was essentially the largest republican-ish anti-trump group um is now going after the law firms that are working with the trump administration and calling on people to essentially spam the law firm to find its employees on linkedin to message them disparagingly about how could they collaborate with the president in his legal challenges. They're going after other clients who have that law firm under retainer and saying like, this is disgraceful that you work with this law firm because they work for for the president. This is like crazy, crazy, um, crazy stuff. And I, it just, I can't. I don't know who. I don't know who thinks that this is a good idea. I mean, there are seventy million people who voted for Trump. You really think it's a good idea to just ostracize these people even more so than they already feel it feel that they are? Um, I don't think that that does any good for the political system or society at large. And I think it largely underestimates it's like yeah the democrats won the presidency barely they they lost ground in the house and they're going to probably continue not to have the senate it's like guys don't don't get too comfortable resting on your on your narrow victory here and get so comfortable that you think you can just add everybody to a list who you didn't like so that everyone knows where they live and can avoid them and all of that stuff like that is a one-way ticket to really, really bad outcomes. And the fact that these people think that this is reasonable is just insane, insane to me. And yeah. I'm and this is from someone who understands the the like I don't I wouldn't have voted for Donald Trump. I don't like the way the Republican Party has gone over the last four years. All of those things. I wanted Joe Biden to win. But the idea that you're you're gonna just add seventy million Americans to some database is just bananas to me. It doesn't make, it, it's terrible.
1: And normally folks, we do have a lot more consumer focused topics, but this is like too <laughs> hot in the news, I promise. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I actually looked into this David a little bit. Trump accountability project, it's trumpaccountability.net, not a professional looking website. Uh, Trump accountability project, it has like a you know, people in cages and it says, remember what they did. We must never forget those who further the Trump agenda. We should welcome in our fellow Americans with whom we differ differ politically. But those who took a paycheck from the Trump administration should not profit from their efforts to tear our democracy apart. The world should, italicized, never... Forget those who, when faced with a decision, chose to put their money, their time, and their reputations behind separating children from their families, encouraging racism and anti-Semitism, and negligently causing the unnecessary loss of life and economic devastation from our country's failed response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I'll just add an asterisk to that. Uh, Austria just had like 10,000 cases uh, this week, like the highest ever it's ever had. Uh, This is Mm -hmm. not on one administration guys <laughs> this is like globally no one knows what to do well, and it's not good
0: exactly and it i mean see that 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 narrative on that website is built on the idea that there was nothing good that came out of the Trump administration oh that it that and it was an inherent evil essentially like every single policy that the Trump administration engaged in And every single person involved in those policies are evil. I mean, talk to to
1: Elise Johnson who got out of jail because Kim Kardashian and her people, you know, tried to implement some kind of criminal justice reform and she became like a Trump supporter. It's like, yeah, there's actually some things that did help some people. It's not all in your brain what you've constructed, guys.
0: Like, are, are we cutting off Van Jones? Are we ostracizing Van Jones? Now, he didn't take a paycheck. But he was a cheerleader for the First Step Act, as, I, as was I. Yeah, and
1: I, I didn't want to play like, the Van Jones clip uh, after it was no. called for Biden. That was uh...
0: – Yeah, it was a little little much, I would say. <laughs> but it's like this, being, this being idea – Being a good person that, matters. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious because Joe Biden is on stage and, for me, sounds very presidential when he says, for too long we've acted as if our political opponents were our enemies. we need to not do that um and then the response to that is no put everybody on a list we're not working with these people like uh i think i sent you the tweet sam harris who depending on who you talk to is can be an objectionable figure um but he had a very good tweet about giving people a mulligan he goes if you think that trump is evil and voting for him was was a vote for racism or whatever the headlines are. He goes, our our best path forward is to give those people a mulligan. Sure. And say, Okay, yeah, like whatever, like new day, new system, let's move on and kind of shirk that ugliness. Well, David, Uh uh, what you just said,
1: this claim about election fraud is disputed. I'm now tagging you on Twitter (laughs) for (laughs) unsubstantiated claims. Yeah, I do, you know, hopefully that attitude kind of takes on a bit better. And again, not everybody votes for the same reason. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate that nor understand it. I've had my own issues here in Austria with many different American expats, um, who are very, very happy to throw around the Nazi card a bit too often, which in many cases is illegal in this country. But uh, equating, you know, basically anything Republican with that, um, gotten a lot of yeah, very heated messages in the last couple of days. Just trying to say, guys, let's just not play the Nazi card, kind of like ever, unless we are in a Holocaust. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, and yeah, it's also like you, this is where like the the, high, the the hyperbole has maybe gone too far. It's like you really think that 70 million people are racist yeah. when all of the polling shows that that the the viewpoints of your average republican are exponentially more tolerant today than democrats were in the 80s.
1: And you have, according to the exit polls, you know, higher number of minorities that did vote for Trump and Republicans, which is exactly strange and is still leading people to kind of go into, I don't know, crazy mode and then say, well, these people are those who identify as white and they're they they're self-hating. What is it? Self-hating Latinos or something like
0: this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was what The New York Times published. Yeah. It was like well, vote for Trump was a vote for white supremacy. It's Charles it's Blow, still a vote the, for, the op-ed. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. still a vote for white white supremacy when black people do it. And it's like, hmm, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that line of arguing.
1: So yeah, but, let's hope, David, that you know we can get to a point where not everything is as politicized. Uh, I think yes. all of us, uh, those of you listening at home, have had political disputes with your friends and family that were never there before, that... You know, you never even discussed it. It was never brought up. If it was, it was just kind of like, okay, I think this. Okay, I disagree. And that was it. It became something very, very personal. And if it's not for uh, a lot of these covid restrictions at Thanksgiving, you know, I I pray for a lot of people (laughs) going home to their families and having a debate, especially if, uh, you know, the election stuff is not more cleared up. Uh, It could be some nasty turkeys thrown out the window uh, here in a couple of weeks. I don't know nastiness
0: yeah yeah it's a <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> thanksgiving the, those political conversations were interesting before i can just picture like it's very tense quiet and then one guy just like a mid to goes biden crime family stealing this election <laughs> kids in cages <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and then <laughs> And then all hell breaks loose and you got the table flipped.
1: Oh, Mom's yeah. Well, it's like that uh, that YouTube video of the kid who goes berserk at Christmas because he didn't get his Xbox or whatever. And he, like, burns down the house. Yeah. Something like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's getting boy. bad. So, yeah, there's still plenty of stuff yeah. that um, will filter our way. I know that the election is still big on people's minds and it will determine a lot of policy that will impact a lot of stuff. I would be really interested, and I saw this on Joe Biden's, when he was giving one of his first speeches in front of the big blue screen that says President-Elect, it says, uh, protect and build on the Affordable Care Act. So that's what it says on the background. It says President-Elect Biden, and then underneath it said the thing about the Affordable Care Act. I'm really interested to see where this goes, uh, what the kind of health care reforms that will be pitched will be because if you remember David that's what we discussed early on in the primaries Biden was not the medicare for all guy he was saying let's uh, yeah, he had
0: a reasonable he, his his approach to the healthcare system was very centrist very reasonable especially in contrast to some of the crazy people on stage yeah
1: and and even the the, the Trump you know whatever i don't think you can say he had a healthcare plan he just didn't there was attacking pharma companies and trying to basically put way more regulations and make everybody pay the same price. So there wasn't yeah, anything. Yeah, price controls. Yeah, there and... was nothing substantive there, which is very unfortunate. There were some small reforms that helped out with health savings accounts and direct primary care and some good stuff, but that was sort of under the shade of night. You know, This is not a yeah. fundamental part, but definitely health care will be big on there. Um, I can imagine that immigration would make its way into at least the first couple of months
0: of no, a, of a I don't Biden think so. admin.
1: It's, I mean, it's it's COVID. It's going to have to be relief package and how much money is going to be spent. And I think you've pointed out or other people have pointed out, uh, we're going to go back to a Tea Party Republicanism now, uh, critiquing big government spending. That's coming. Yeah. Hop on the train, they Make, say.
0: Yeah, Bi- Biden, Biden will have most likely made conservatives conservative again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which could, you know, if that's why, like, the very strategic Republicans that you mentioned early on probably are seeing that. They're forecasting that, and they're saying, all right, guys, let's concede. Let's, you know, pick up our, you know, our tools, and let's fine-tune our message. And we're really well-placed for the midterms, and, you know, we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is I think that they're like, there is, if you're a Republican— there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic moving forward um, in terms of where the party can go. But the crazy train is going to lose its political value very soon where questioning the election and declaring fraud and all of that jazz, like that's going to get old and it will largely i I think the the expiration date on that being politically useful is is very near and those who continue um, down that road for too long will probably suffer consequences down the road electorally if they are going to continue to beat the it's rigged voter fraud mysterious votes type deal and so hopefully hopefully the Republicans can give their head a shake and move on to being an effective opposition um, because it would be much better for all Americans if the Republicans were focused on being an effective opposition rather than just being the party who's going to do all sorts, say all sorts of crazy things. And Um, I think even I saw, I saw one quick poll
1: that, you know, asked general Republicans um, you know, who won the election. And it was it was still 70% or so that did say Biden. So I think we might also just be listening to really loud voices, uh, one of yeah. which is very loud, obviously Trump, but <laughs> we're listening yes. to a lot of, of the extreme voices. I think most people have kind of picked up and carried on. I think, uh, you know, they've figured out what's going on. And again, most people are not just straight down the line party people. You know, everyone chooses parties every couple of years because they have to because of their ideas that are... Yep represented but most people are not you know political party uh supporters all the way everybody's pretty pretty independent thinking david but uh yep. overall i think this is a bit more of a political show and much more punditry on this episode of consumer choice <laughs> radio <laughs> yes uh but uh but it was fun david
0: yeah yeah we promise you moving forward we will get back to policies rather than politics and personalities um but yeah, great show. Thank you for joining. If you're listening on the radio, we always appreciate it.
1: And that does it for Consumer Choice Radio here on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM. Thank you for joining us for the hour and for all the other past shows and archives. Check with Consumer Choice Radio for much more.
0: And as always, if you are listening online through your favorite podcast app, we appreciate that. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast Uh, And follow us on Twitter at ConsumerC Radio. Uh, Thanks again.